Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, patriots of all ages, welcome again to a brand new week of In Black and Right. We are the new definition of color commentary, and happy Monday, everybody. I hope you had a great weekend, and as always, I am Jerry Brooks, your host, your tour guide through the alternate universe, which is Joe Biden's America. And also your baby-faced assassin for all things conservative, fighting for free speech, freedom of thought, and all the other freedoms that our great constitution provides. Before we get into today's jam-packed adventure, uh, you can contact us with questions and comments at our email in blackandright at gmail.com, or you can check us out on our website, which will be undergoing some uh, upgrades and adding some new content on there in blackandright.net. Our online store is also available. We've got some new merchandise there, some great new shirts, and also some other things as well, including our fundraiser getting ready for CPAC Texas in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex on the first week of August. Looking forward to that. Well, folks. The weekend was a stone-cold trip, at least as far as the news went. Now, of course, yes, everything is topsy-turvy and all sorts of crazy, but I thought, oh man, this is going to be one crazy week. So I have a feeling today's episode is going to be a little bit extra, extra large today. Because we've got a lot of things that need to be dealt with. Now, to get started, let's go back a little bit to this past uh, Friday. Now, the Michael Sussman case, which Special Counsel John Durham is right in the middle of right now. And Sussman was Hillary Clinton's campaign lawyer in 2016. Now, Sussman, who has pleaded guilty... Uh, to the charge of providing false information to the FBI on behalf of a client, quote-unquote, but instead was merely acting as a good Samaritan, which was a full-blown lie. Now, interestingly enough, yes, we have all this testimony, and yes, you know, the old names are back in the news again. You've got Fusion GPS... You've got all these other names who were involved in that whole Russia collusion debacle. But the one name that absolutely amazed me, and I didn't expect this either, it was Robbie Mook. Yes, Hillary Clinton got mooked and mooked big time. Robbie Mook was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager in 2016. And in his testimony, he stated that the Hillary's campaign lacked an expert or lacked an expertise to vet the data that, that they had from Fusion GPS, the Steele dossier, blah, blah, blah. Now, apparently, 
Jake Sullivan, a name that should be familiar to some of you, who is now Joe Biden's national security advisor, was working as a t policy advisor to Hillary in 2016. And on top of that, <laughs> it, it gets even better. Robbie Mook, in his testimony, said that Hillary Clinton was personally briefed on their plan and gave it her blessing. Ooh, ouch. Man, Robbie Mook just took Hillary Clinton and threw her under a very large bus with that bombshell testimony. Hillary knew about it and she gave it her blessing even though she knew it was crap. Everybody who dealt with steel knew it was crap, but they went through it anyway. I mean, James Comey with the FISA court getting all of these warrants based on faulty information. That's crap. And granted, that was probably the smartest move President Trump ever made was getting rid of that clown. Ugh. Sorry, I'm probably going to be a little salty in parts today, so please forgive me if I'm a little rough on this because this is just a mess. I mean, a major league mess. And we've still got a ways to go as far as the Sussman case. And who knows if uh, John Durham has any more fascinating little surprises, a.k.a. indictments, or other members of Hillary's campaign, or anybody else for that matter. I mean, it's just crazy how many people who could really be called in this case and get exposed. I'm like, youch. If Robbie Mook can do that kind of damage with one piece of testimony, who knows what you can do? Who, who else can enlighten people as to how messed up and corrupt the FBI was, the Department of Justice was, and who knows, all sorts of people. Um, now, of course, one of two of the big events this week, you've got the World Health Organization meeting in Geneva, the World Health Assembly, it's actually called, and you also have in Davos, Switzerland, the World Economic Forum. Both of them are meeting this week. And man, it's almost like elitist control freaks are us. And apparently, at the World Economic Forum, there were some people who just weren't particularly welcome. And one of those was Jack Posobiec, who is with uh, human events. He was actually doing uh, some things for um, uh, Turning Point USA, a great organization run by Charlie Kirk. Uh, great young guy. But yeah, it's some of this is just crazy. Now, this morning on Steve Bannon's uh, pandemic war on Steve uh, Steve Bannon's war room pandemic. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I messed that one up. I'm sorry. But yeah, he was uh, Pasobic was doing a live remote from Davos, which was interesting 
considering what happened a little while later, but I want to play some of uh, some of that live feed from Davos and just to see what's uh, what's interesting about it. And I'll like and I'll explain what happened a little later. The Chinese, because they won't lend it, we're just going to print the money, so it's an IUU. But the Ukraine. Over the weekend, there's pressure. There's a story in, I think, the Express the saying there's pressure from certain elements of leaders in Europe, in the United States, to say, look, you got to get to the negotiating table. Even Zelensky said, yes, there will be a negotiation. But then they came out and said, we're not giving up any territory. We're not going to have a ceasefire. Now that they have, and the polls said they shouldn't cede any power. So now they have an American 100% security guarantee. And, and we're at offensive economic war with Russia. Uh, what Zelensky is just walking around with America. He's he's writing checks that America is going to have to cash. Uh, how's that playing out in Davos, Jack Masovic? Well, Steve, at Davos, actually, just before Klaus Schwab gave those those announcements, there was another speech that was given by the president of the World Economic Forum, kind of one of Schwab's deputies. And what he said was he called for a new Marshall Plan for Ukraine, and he said we are going to do this new Marshall Plan regardless. Of if there is a peace settlement with Russia. So, Steve, they're actually going to try to pursue rebuilding and reconstruction of parts of Ukraine while they continue to uh, expand military operations in the east to fight against Russia in the Donbass. So you're looking at a situation here, and you and I have talked about this before, there's two camps, the escalators and the de-escalators. Now, the Secretary General of NATO itself will be speaking here tomorrow. This camp is entirely the escalators. They want this war, and they are willing to fight for the last Ukrainian to get it. Meanwhile, the countries represented here, they're not sending people over. They're not sending their own soldiers. Who are they sending? Malcolm Nance. Yeah, boo. Now, that was Jack Posobiec of Human Events, the, the senior editor. Now, an hour later, after that remote, that live remote from Davos with Steve Bannon, apparently he and his camera crew who had already shown their passports and had stated their business that they were media and they were a news crew from the United States and they were filming and apparently <laughs> apparently the World Economic Forum police which were nothing more than Klaus Schwab's Stasi uh, essentially his henchmen who were heavily armed and had world in World Economic Forum police. I mean, apparently they're his own. That's their own private, uh, their own private little uh, hit squad had apparently detained Mr. Pasovic and his news crew and went through the whole thing of. I mean, just frisked them big time. Uh, tried to do it out of. Uh, tried to do it out of uh, open sight, and everything else. I mean. Holy cow, folks. I mean, what is the World Economic Forum so freaking afraid of? Hmm? I mean, good grief. And apparently, it's probably going to be the same over in Geneva with the World Health Organization. Now, of course, the mainstream legacy news are just absolutely beside themselves. Um because of what's been reported 
before this started. Now, of course, this international pandemic treaty, oh, it's just a conspiracy theory. Yeah, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. And now you're talking all sorts of things, and this is coming from a, you know, when you're talking about misinformation, I'm like, oh my gosh. <clears throat> Yahoo News, here's a story, love the headline, Global Health Talks Clouded by Conspiracy Theories About Pandemic Treaty. Okay, yeah. Now, this Tedros dude is a mess. I mean, he is nothing more than a puppet of China. I mean, he is Ethiopian, but he's a Marxist, and he's bought and paid for. Um, now, he's just going to run this thing. Now, of course, if this is a treaty... Uh, and I believe it is, and if it's such misinformation, uh, dear Yahoo News, if it's, if this pandemic, this international pandemic treaty is misinformation, why has the president of Brazil, President Bolsonaro, ha came out over the weekend and said, if Brazil will reject this treaty? Now, are you essentially saying that the president of Brazil uh, is a conspiracy theorist? I'm like, whoa, okay. Now, of course, the, the word's been getting out for the last, what, couple of weeks before this, uh, talking about this. And so we're going to just see how much of a conspiracy theory it actually is and who's going to cover it, who's going to talk about it, or what have you because if this is what I believe it is and what others who are much smarter than I am and much more informed than I am have said then I don't know about you but get ready United States Senate because if this is a treaty then you have a constitutional responsibility when it comes to ratification it's very clear it's not ambiguous at all to ratify a treaty any treaty that the u.s is a signator on requires a two-thirds vote in the senate for ratification they don't have the votes folks they, they just do not have the votes so it's going to be interesting to see how this thing works out as the week goes on with these meetings in Davos and in Geneva. I don't know, but it's going to be real interesting to see how much of this is going to be uh, changed because apparently there are people who are watching, there are people who are listening, and there are people who are ready, I believe, and many of them are going to be attorneys general if anything like this is attempted to be implemented without Senate ratification. I can just see the lawsuits now. How many attorneys general are going to go for, are going to sue if this is not handled in the proper constitutional way? I, I don't know, but it's going to be fun to watch. And, oh, my, my, my. 
So yes, we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on that story for certain because I'm not a big fan of having my health care being controlled by a bunch of nameless, faceless bureaucrats over on the other side of the world. And I mean, I don't, I'm not into it and I'm willing to bet there's an awful lot of you folks who aren't okay with it either. So this is going to be one of those, I'm going to be watching it all week. So hold on tight for this one. But speaking of, yes, I know, you're probably wondering, wait a minute, what, haven't you talked, where's the Georgia primary? Well, don't worry, folks. Do not worry. The Georgia primary is tomorrow. Yes, I'll be staying up late. I'll be probably making some coffee and maybe doing some live feeds as coverage and the results are being done. But here's something that'll blow you. Two things that will blow your mind. One, what have we heard from the mainstream media, the legacy media, and the democrats? They're screaming about, oh, voter suppression, voter suppression. It's like, black folks aren't going to get the vote. It's going to be racist. It's racist. It's like, shut up. Shut up. I'm so sick and tired of hearing that. This has got to be, I mean, democrats have got to think that black people are the most stupid people on the planet. It's absolutely brain dead. And frankly, I'm sick of it. I'm truly, truly, truly sick of it. But the Democrats don't help themselves. And here's a story that came out in Newsweek. Here's Stacey Abrams, supposed to be the, the queen. She won the 2018 Georgia governor's race, which she didn't. Now, you tell me this. Here's Stacey Abrams thinking that she won the race in 2018 and she didn't she owns multiple homes in the state of georgia but yet she said during a fundraiser over the weekend that she called the state of georgia her home the worst state in the country to live quote unquote and i'm like wait wait a minute wait wait a minute Something's not right with this picture. Here she is, the presumptive nominee for the Democrats, running for Georgia governor, and she calls her home state, a place where she has multiple residences, the worst state in the country to live in. Now, I have plenty of friends in Georgia, good people, but I'm going, wait a minute, do you really want to vote for this messed up woman who calls the state you live in the worst state in the country and yet she wants to be the governor and she's going to try it again i said can anybody kind of put the two and two together on that one because i'm not getting it i am truly truly not getting it because i mean it's bad enough I mean, the woman seems to think her claim to fame is making a cameo appearance on, on Star Trek, on one of these new ones. I think it's Star Trek Discovery. 
but she calls the state that she lives in and she wants to be the governor of the worst state in the country. Now, I'd love to see how the Atlanta media and the, the Georgia Democrats spin this. I would really love it because the GOPs have already taken, taken it and run with it. I mean, this woman is going to be... <laughs> she wants to be governor and she says... Oh, this is the worst state to live in. Then it's like, well, what's the worst state to live in, lady? Move. That's what I did. I moved here from Nevada. And believe you me, all Nevada was was California East. I said, I'm out of here. And when I had an opportunity to move to Florida, I said, okay, cool. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. And now I live very and pretty happy to be living in the freest state in the country with a governor who has brains and brass ones and frankly and forgive the saltiness but he's a badass and I like it and I'm perfectly happy just waiting to vote for him for re-election but gotta go through the primary first which isn't until August the 2nd but that's okay I'll be patient and wait so and, and on top of that, the whole nonsensical, the nonsensical uh, allegations from the Democrats is like, oh, it's terrible. Oh, no. It's like voter suppression, voter suppression. Oh, black folks can't vote. Voter suppression. Please. Huh. From the, in the Epic Times over the weekend. Great story. The state of Georgia has had record-breaking, record-breaking early turnout, early voting for the primary. Now, early voting ended over the weekend, and now the main primary is tomorrow. But already, record turnout, record turnout. Now, I know that for the establishment Republicans, you want MAGA dead. And this is essentially your last stand. Now, all, have, all that really has to happen is that Brian Kemp doesn't reach the 50% threshold. Now, I know there have been plenty of media outlets and some even conservative ones that have put forth the notion that, oh, this isn't happening, you know, you know, Kemp is way ahead, you know, and here comes the Rhino Patrol. I mean, today, Monday in Georgia, you've got Mike Pence, who pretty much is rallying for Kemp, and, and, all, and you've got also Doug Ducey of Arizona, Pete Ricketts of Nebraska, and Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey. I'm going... This is your murderer's row? Really? I'm like, ah. This gives me hope because MAGA is not going anywhere. MAGA, ultra MAGA, doesn't matter. We're, they're not going anywhere. And especially in a place like Georgia, Trump is going he has not given up. In spite of the media reports, 
which were nothing but fake news and straight-up lies, he has not given up on Georgia. He's come to Georgia and did a rally in Georgia. He's got his team for the primary, from sending uh, David Perdue, Herschel Walker, Jody Heiss for the Secretary of State's race. I mean, the whole governor's race on and down ballot. Also, c congressional seats. They're every magas everywhere in Georgia. All they have to do is simply turn out. That's the trick. Turn out. And it's going to absolutely blow people's minds. Now, I know there are going to be people who don't want to vote because, well, they know what happened the last time. It's like, well, here's the thing. If you vote, if you don't vote, your voice will never be heard. It's that simple. It's like, it, it's just that simple. Your voice will never be heard if you don't vote. Now, if there's going to be any sort of shenanigans going on, any sort of, uh, shall we say, a little bit of fraud, there are going to be people who are going to be watching. This is essentially taking the Virginia model all the way down to Georgia. Now, if you've got people who are poll watchers, who are keeping an eye for any sort of shenanigans, I mean, any more mules, uh, they're going to get found because it, I believe if, I mean, I'd love to see this thing not go to a runoff. David Perdue gets the 50 plus, gets the 50% plus one, and you don't even have to worry about a, uh, you don't have to worry about a runoff. But there are more than one, there's more than one candidate. So any vote that's not a Kemp vote in Georgia is essentially a vote for Purdue. Now, if this thing does go to a runoff, this gives Purdue an opportunity to go with the other campaigns and coalesce and say, hey, I know you're not exactly big fans of Kemp, and you may not be big fans of me, but you know what Kemp is. And he's a wuss. He's a rhino. And with Georgia pretty much being Trump country, and I'm, and I'm talking well outside of Atlanta, Fulton County, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that. So tomorrow, if you haven't voted in Georgia, go out tomorrow and vote. Absolutely. Make your voice heard. Because if you don't, it's just going to be a mess. Trust me. And we don't need any more rhinos than we've already got. So that's my, that's my encouragement to the people of Georgia. Get, make sure you get out and vote tomorrow. But, oh my goodness, here's a little something for you. Just as a sort of putting an the icing on the cake. Oh, excuse me. Now, y'all know, if you've been paying attention, about what happened when the National School Board Association sent their infamous letter last year going to, to the Justice Department saying that parents, moms and dads out there in suburbia 
who go to these school board meetings and you know they put forth the notion that oh these are dangerous people and you know they should be treated as domestic terrorists now <laughs> now of course the lying sack of crap that he is Merrick Garland our attorney general yes it ha but it came out by a whistleblower via the FBI that yes parents moms and dads all over the country who disagree with their school boards they're being treated as domestic terrorists in a in an attempt to one silence dissent and that's and that's what it is to try to silence dissent number two it's about control the educrats are going to use all of their allies in dc in the democrat party to get their thoroughly woke messed up critical race uh, sexual orientation theory just ugh. they're gonna do whatever they have to and they are desperate people now how do I know this well I mean already number one the first letter but now these folks and after the, the National School Board Association has got to be seriously thick-headed. They've already done, you had several states who disconnected themselves from the NSBA. Now, here we go again. Today, an early draft letter by the National School Boards Association is calling for the National Guard and the military police to be deployed at school board meetings? I'm sorry, but what the hell are these people thinking? I mean, are they truly that obsessed with control? Well, yes. If you're willing to call out the National Guard and the military police to certain board meetings, I'm like, really are you truly these are people who are scary I mean really you want to bring the military to a school board meeting what a waste of resources as well as dang these are desperate people I mean these are seriously sick twisted demonized people if you have if it's so bad that you have to bring the National Guard to a school board meeting? I'm like, no, 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 no. This is crap. This is full-blown control freak on steroids. These, I knew that the education establishment was not going to be pleased when parents were doing their job and getting out there but this is major league overreaction if ever I've seen it I'm like serious I mean I'm looking at the story from uh, BPR bizpackreview.com and it's and it's you can find it on Fox. You can find it just about anywhere if you do a little research. And I want to read from the BizPack review. An early draft 
of the letter from the National School Boards Association to the White House that originally sought to label parents as domestic terrorists shockingly called for the deployment of the Army National Guard and the military to monitor school board meetings. The finding was released on Friday following an independent review by the NSBA according to Fox News. All of this follows the organization apologizing for the issuance of the letter and then blaming former interim CEO and executive director Chip Slavin for the whole sordid affair. Now, an early draft of this letter, and it states, and I quote, we, as the, we ask the Army National Guard and its military police to be, to be deployed to certain school districts and related events when, where students and school personnel have been subjected to acts and threats of violence. Bull. Bull. Complete and utter bull. These people are looking for any lame-ass excuse to put the screws, to tighten the screws on parents and to chill dissent of speech. Not just the dissent of speech, but to say, hey, we don't want our kids being taught this crap in schools. And yet, they're now upping the stakes and escalating this unnecessarily. Because I have not heard of a credible threat to any school board anywhere in the country that would rise to the level of having to use the, the National Guard? The National Guard and the military police? I'm like, wait a minute. What's wrong with, if there's a problem, what's wrong with local law enforcement? County sheriffs, municipal police, what's wrong with them? you got to now bring in the military? I don't know what these people are on. I don't know what they're smoking. But to do that, to raise it to that level because you're scared of parents? ay 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 these people are not well and no and no wonder so many state organizations completely removed themselves and severed their relationships with the NSBA because this is nothing more than asking for trouble it's asking for trouble and not just you know parents are not going to put up with this I mean, it, they're not going to put up with it. So the National School Board Association must really think they are all that in a bag of chips using a pseudo threat to their power, to their control over the minds of the next generation. Your kids, your grandkids, nieces, nephews, doesn't matter. And, and for those folks and for my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, please please hear me do not every time you hear the word politics and I've seen this for too many years well over 20 will you stop acting like a vampire at a garlic festival every time you hear politics this is now the time to get involved in politics because whether you follow it or not it's following you and it's tracking you and it's going to do whatever it can 
to squash you like a bug, to take away your sovereignty, to take away your basic constitutional rights to free speech, to religious expression. I mean, all of it. The, they are at work. They're at work in the swamp in D.C. They're at work over in Switzerland this week in Davos and Geneva. Wake up, my friends. I say this because I, I am but one voice. I am a watchman on the wall. And I can't do what I'm supposed to do if I got everybody wanting to do an ostrich impression and putting their heads in the sand. I can't do it. If you want to lose your sovereignty as a nation, if you want to lose your rights and your civil liberties, okay, that's your decision. But I prefer to fight. I prefer very much to fight. It might be... It might be a lost cause at this point. I don't know. But whatever it is, I am going to do what I have to do for myself and future generations of my family. And we need that. This is the year to be a voice. I have said this ever since January. Be a voice. Stop sitting on the sidelines. Get involved. Be informed. Tell people. Because, I mean, I have a, all I have is a podcast. That's all I have. And I don't work for a network. I don't have a radio syndication deal. All I am is but one man living here in North Florida with one voice and does homework. So I'm hoping maybe to get a little help here. Uh, send me some feedback. I might be crazy, but I need to know. I just need to know that I'm not just being a voice in the wilderness like John the Baptist. Although I do have a greater appreciation for him now, but help me out here, folks. And so today, with that, I'm just going to call it a day. Tomorrow, the Georgia primary. This is the This is MAGA. Well, either taking out the rhinos or the rhinos, it's going to be their Waterloo. But one way or another, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch. So I'll be uh, doing coverage, doing some live feeds on my other social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Getter, uh, maybe a couple of others. But for now, my friends, have yourself a great Monday. Enjoy. And... And remember that patriots come in all colors.